All right, and before we go any further, of course, um, we have to have some fun with this. So uh, I'm going to choose my headwear. Or maybe, maybe I'll choose go for, for, for some funky glasses instead. What do you think? No. You know Is this what? cool enough for you? That's a bit nerdy. Is that what you said? Yes, it's funny. Right, if you want, you if, wear glasses. No, I don't. I I wear them only when I need them. Anyway, go. Let's go. <laughs> you want to get this show on the road? I just is that wanna, what it is? Listen, Simpsons Treehouse of Horror is at eight o'clock. Oh, so we're on a deadline here. We is are that what you're on a to tell me? And then there's Bob's Burgers, and then there's Family. It's my cartoon night. So three words: PVR. What's I wrong know, with but you? I'd like to be part. I don't want. I like to be part of a, a, a of a mass experience. You're not going to wear like a monocle or something no, like that? Start the show. All right. The views expressed on Geeks and Beats are those of the participants alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of their employers. Live from the headquarters of G&B Magazine, simulcast on Google Plus Hangouts, this is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth, featuring musical guest Sting. A use for that useless slot in your car's dashboard. We'll introduce you to a gadget that will make it legal for you to use your smartphone while on the road. Looking for a new gig? What about running iTunes Radio in Canada? We'll run down the qualifications for the job, assuming Alan doesn't want it. The no-cord earbuds. Why, this piece of sweet kit may be yours, so long as you didn't have a habit of losing mittens as a child. And our greatest concert story contest continues. A G&B listener tugs at our heartstrings for a chance to move on to the lightning round. Plus, a Geeks and Beats update on our plan to win the lottery, thanks to a synesthesiast. Is that how you say that? Synesthesiast. The synesthesiast. Okay, I'll do it again. You found out what we can do with that useless CD slot in the dashboard. Yeah, I had to put slot in there because my wife looked <laughs> over my shoulder and she goes, what are you talking about? I have a car that I've uh, been driving for more than two and a half years, and I think I've played two or three CDs in it. The rest of the time, I'm just plugging in my iPhone and listening to whatever is on that or listening to AM radio or listening to FM radio or listening to satellite radio. And this this poor slot just kind of sitting there not doing anything. So um, there's a company called Seichi. I think that's, no, Seitech, I guess it's called. Seitech. Seteki? Seteki. Seteki, yeah. And what they've got is, and, and this has been a problem with me because, of course, in Ontario, you're not even allowed to touch your smartphone when you're behind the wheel. It doesn't matter if you've, you're, you're picking it up off the seat, off the floor. The moment you touch it, you're in violation of the Highway Traffic Act, and you could be hit with a $155 fine. Right. So I, I have been looking for um, a mount so I can use apps like Waze or, or whatever, because what happens is if your iPhone is or your smartphone is mounted, you can touch it. But if it's just kind of, don't do that. Don't do what? The dog thing. You don't like the dog thing? Okay, how's the cat? No. <laughs> Hello, kitty. Hello. Where we? See, I, I'm completely lost now. You, you, you completely threw me. <laughs> there are all sorts of neat little effects here, but you got to play with them. No, you don't. Just, okay. No. Okay. I love the fact that it can actually know where your eyeballs are in your mouth, and it knows exactly where to put it. I know it's a very clever thing, but you know, for the people who are listening, I'll put. Uh, I'll, I'll stop. I, I will be good from now on. He's got a halo. Okay. For the people who are going to be listening to this later on in the week, this is completely useless to all of them. Just just cut it out. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's this, this $17 gizmo. 
you slide it into the slot that would normally be used for your CDs, and it is a holder for your smartphone. I think it's brilliant. I'm going to order one. I would have ordered one today, except that it's already sold out. Yeah, I notice it here. It says, notify me when the product becomes available. It's not available anymore, or it's not available yet. It doesn't look like something that everybody's already got access to when I look at it here. It doesn't matter. I want one. I want one. This doesn't get you around the issue of not being able to touch your smartphone because it's, it's still sitting there. No, but the Hobby Traffic Act, from what I understand, if it is permanently mounted, it's okay. Oh, really? Yes. It's when it is not permanently mounted, when it's just rolling around on your seat or in your hand or whatever, that's a problem. However, when it's permanently attached to something, you're okay. But my question to you is, is how permanently attached is this to the CD slot in your device, in your car? Because it strikes me that this could just be flopping around. Well, I hope not. But for 17 bucks, I'll give it a shot. Maybe instead of giving us a big detailed review when yours gets in, we'll contact these people, see if we can give one or two away. I think this is great. Uh, I mean, I can't remember the last time I played a CD in the car. And I would love to have a proper mount for my smartphone. We would be saving people, you know, millions of dollars in fines. Meantime, you have found the clearest indication yet that iTunes radio will be in Canada soon. Yes, this is good. You have to do a little bit of snooping here. But if you go to the uh, Jobs at Apple website. Oh, here it is. iTunes Canada Music Programmer. Yes. Now, here's your job summary. Execute the programming of iTunes radio in Canada. Merchandising new releases and other featured content across multiple radio stations. Identifying new songs, chart gainers, and priority releases, as well as highlighting library content, blah, 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 blah. I was just thinking you should probably apply for this. I should probably apply for this. You need a minimum of five years' experience. In what? In radio, retail, A&R, editorial, and or. I know the head of iTunes Canada. I should call Jen. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Back up the truck here. You know the head of iTunes Canada, and we still haven't gotten back on the iTunes front page? I uh, I mentioned it to her over dinner a couple of weeks ago. Maybe uh, this is an opportunity for me to uh, remind her. Over dinner, no less. At the Soho Club, yeah. At the Soho Club. Just throwing in the Soho Club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, what are you drinking there? That is Tito's Handmade Vodka. Handmade Vodka? Mm-hmm, triple distilled. Or, okay, what's that? I, I have no idea. It's white, whatever it is. Uh, it's Wolf Blast Yellow Label Chardonnay. Okay. I, I was all out of uh, vodka. Yeah, I've, uh, I'm down to the... Yeah, I'm down to the last bit. Mm, I love scotch. I love scotch. <laughs> scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Mm-mm-mm. You know, I'm out. The question about iTunes, though, coming to Canada as that radio offering and this job being posted, it was posted, what, the 1st of October as a 6th of October, so it's just been posted. What kind of turnaround time between the job posting and the point where they've got the person hired and iTunes is actually in Canada? I don't know. This would be fascinating to find out. I will have to talk to my friend Jen, head of iTunes Canada. Wait a minute. I think I've found the reason why you're not going to get the job. Why is that? Well, the qualifications in it are quite simple. Um, In addition to all of that which you may or may not have, you also have to have a bachelor's degree in arts, humanities, education, and radio and communications arts slash media is preferred. Uh, I don't have a degree. I have a degree in humanities. I have a degree in art, uh, political science and history. Do you? I do. I didn't know that. And I think that 30 plus years of experience in the, uh, in, the, in the broadcasting business would trump 
any um, media studies program. All right. So are you going for it? You know what? Why don't I? I think you should. <laughs> Why, sure. What the hell? Oh, I, just as an exercise, I will do that. I, I bet you it pays like nothing, but I will I will see. <laughs> you found out why music sounds bad sonically and why it's my fault? Yeah, you know, look at the look at the retweets on this and look at the likes on this on uh, on Facebook. I am from the old school. I believe that music needs to be heard in its full high fidelity glory. And that does not mean listening to compressed MP3 files through tinny mono Bluetooth speakers. It means listening to it in glorious stereo with a full range, full frequency range of, uh, of, of, of reproduction. And here's what's going on. Uh, people are, most people these days, are consuming music strictly through ear, cheap earbuds, through laptop speakers, through Bluetooth speakers, and a bunch of other things. Oh, you've got a hat on now. I, I'm just thinking that I'd like to be more qualified for the iTunes job. Right, okay. And as a result, the people who are in the who have the responsibility of mastering music for final consumption by the public are responding to the way people are listening to music today, which is through cheap earbuds, mono Bluetooth speakers, and tinny laptop speakers. As a result, the music that we're listening to today, as the result of the habits of millions of people, sounds worse than what we were listening to in the 80s and the 70s. And I, we've gone, I, I mean, we've talked about this before. We have gone so far backwards in this whole high fidelity thing. It just drives me nuts. Music has been on this downward trajectory in terms of fidelity for about 25 years now. What I didn't know until you had brought it up in this article, though, that you had written is that in the pre-compact disc days, all music was mastered for vinyl, a format that could only handle so much compression before the needle actually would jump out of the grooves. That's true, because you're dealing with a physical medium, and there's only so much information that you can put, and this is mechanically encoded information in the grooves. There's only so much that you could put into those grooves before the needle got so bouncy trying to track those grooves before it leapt out of the uh, out of the groove it's, and began to skip. So there was this threshold that you could not go beyond. It also created problems with bass response too, because if you had uh, you know big grooves that that uh, encoded bass, you could you could bounce the needle too. So there was, but but when you got into digital, you didn't have any of those problems. So you could put as much bass and as much compression as you wanted on it, and. As time has gone on, we have this thing called the loudness wars, which is the stupid effort on the behalf of record labels and mastering labs to make the record, uh, any recording, sound as loud or appear as loud as possible. And the way you do that is with compression. And what compression does is it makes the softer parts louder and it keeps the louder parts loud. And as a result, you end up with terrible listener fatigue and this horrible distortion. I mean, one of the worst records is, well, anything by the Red Hot Chili Peppers in the last 15 years. Can I get your hand to ride on this piece of lift to ride on But I'm not to fly my cut on Do you want to flash a light on And it's not going to get any better because again, most people are listening um, to music with compressed uh, using a, a compressed digital files and horrible earphones and horrible speakers. Because that's the way you're listening to music and because you don't uh, demand better sound, you're getting what you deserve and it's, it's crap. Why are we going off on a rant about this again? I thought we already discussed the loudness wars. And this is why people are getting into vinyl. There are certain... You know, it looks like you got a dog took a dump on your nose. <laughs>
It's got a mustache on now. It really does. You don't like the mustache? It look. I, you heard me. Okay, hang on. There. Is that better? Is that a better mustache? That's better. That's a better one. Okay. This is why a lot of people are getting into vinyl, because you can only mess with vinyl so much before the needle starts bouncing into the grooves. We had a discussion about this, and when we did, it was actually an Ask Alan question, in which someone had written in asking if people are mastering music specifically for headphones, considering that's how most of us are consuming that content. And you pointed out that no, they're just maintaining that sort of benchmark across the board of uh, audio recording so that it sounds great on those massive speakers that are in the studio where they're, they're mastering it in the first place. Well, yes and, uh, yeah, I take that back. Yes and no. The mastering process is done to, for the consumer. So, it's, so it sounds good in those horrible Beats headphones. Do not buy Beats headphones. They are horrible. They're also super expensive. Oh, my goodness. It was like two $300. <laughs> Even more. They're horrible. Um, they're mastering for MP3 um, Files, But isn't that exactly what you want your headphones to reflect? The fact that you're listening to an MP3 on headphones in the first place? Uh, sure, sure it is, but it's crap. It doesn't matter. It's mastered for crap. Because of all the compression that's involved. You don't get the dynamic range in, in, in that kind of mastering. It's crap. You wrote that uh, analyzing the top 5,000 songs since 1950, the Echo Nest found that the average loudness of music increased very, very slowly up until 1990 when it suddenly exploded, increasing an average loudness by 39% in just 20 years. That's right. That's why a lot of CDs from the 1980s actually sound better than the CD that you will buy today. I have an ACDC CD, Back in Black, that was released about 1987. <laughs> And it is glorious. There's a bit of hiss in the background, but the quiet parts are quiet and the loud parts are really loud. And when it goes from quiet to loud, I mean, you feel it, you hear it. And that's glorious. But if you get a remastered version, uh, they've squished everything so that the dynamic range is much, much, much less. And it's, it sounds eh, meh. You uh, found this week a... Uh, earbud headphones that uh, have zero cords associated with them. This is absolutely fascinating. I think this is a really cool thing, unless you're the kind of person that loses mittens. <laughs> Hi, my name is Marco, and the pole in my hand is Split. Split is a truly wireless, portable audio player. These earphones are magnetic. When you split them, they power up, and they start playing music. Split is a standalone, wearable player. Each earphone has a memory chip inside that stores your songs. This means you don't need to carry anything. You just stick one in one ear, one in the other. There's no cords to get tangled, and uh, apparently they sound all right. But again, having lost many gloves and mittens in my life, I can see this being a problem. It can change tracks and increase and decrease volume simply by you biting down on your teeth, and it recognizes that change and will change the track. Yeah, this is a big Kickstarter program. I think it's pretty cool. Um, I, I really think it is kind of kind of cool, and I, I would try these if they sounded okay. My only problem with this is that you are limited exclusively to the uh, memory storage capabilities of this uh, device itself. It doesn't connect to your iPhone. It doesn't connect to your smartphone at all. And so if it only has 64 megabytes of memory, then you're only going to get one album's worth of tracks anyway. Oh, there she just changed the track. Yeah. Now, if you could Bluetooth these... 
properly uh, to a smartphone, then I'm in. Well, that, why not? I don't understand why they haven't bothered to make that a possibility because there's no way I'm going to be loading my music onto these earphones bit by bit. Um, because I never know what I want to listen to until I'm listening to it. No, I, I think this is just a proof of concept. I, I, I think there's a way for this to evolve in a way where, uh, you know, you have one of those Lieutenant Uhura kind of headpieces. So, yeah, I can see it happening. Mr. Uhura, your last subspace log contained an error in the frequencies column. Mr. Spock, sometimes I think if I hear that word frequency once more, I'll cry. Cry? I was just trying to start a conversation. Well, since it is illogical for a communications officer to resent the word frequency, I have no answer. No, you have an answer. I'm an illogical woman who's beginning to feel too much a part of that communications council. Why don't you tell me I'm an attractive young lady or ask me if I've ever been in love? Tell me how your planet Vulcan looks on a lazy evening when the moon is full. Vulcan has no moon, Miss Uhura. I'm not surprised, Mr. Spock. It is actually very Star Trek, isn't it? Just the way it sits in your ear like that? And the, the way you, you, you move the muscles in your face or your jaw to, to actually uh, uh, operate them. There was a, a response you had uh, to this, which was funny to me, was that, uh, you know, you're going to lose this almost immediately. There, there's no way uh, they're going to make their money by buying one pair of these. You're going to end up having to buy a whole bunch of them because you're just going to lose them over time. Absolutely, you are. Absolutely. And I will lose, uh, if I had a pair of these... Uh, I give myself two hours. Britpop was a plot by MI5 and MI6. Isn't this a good one? This is Kevin Shields of uh, My Bloody Valentine, who is not exactly the most um, necessarily coherent man on the planet, but he gave an interview to The Guardian, and uh, I think he was very much tongue-in-cheek, but he was talking about how the whole Britpop thing was uh, nothing more than a conspiracy launched by British intelligence to uh, control the youth of, of the UK in the 1990s. And he does have a bit of a point in the sense that uh, the Labour government of Tony Blair at the time pretty much co-opted the Britpop era and was inviting people like Noel Gallagher to 10 Downing Street to, to party and hang out and do coke in the bathroom. Um, it's an interesting thing. He doesn't necessarily, he doesn't really develop the theory as much as it needs to be developed. And um, I would like people to, uh, to, to view the post and, and fill in the dots in this conspiracy theory because it could be a lot of fun. Back up. Did you just accuse the prime minister of Great Britain of doing coke in the bathroom with Noel Gallagher? No, no, no. No, no, no. Noel Gallagher did coke in the bathroom at number 10 Downing Street. Is this a fact? I'm pretty sure he said that. I, I seem to recall him uh, mentioning that he did something bad in the bathroom then. Okay, so it's stated here that Britpop was massively pushed by the government. Uh, someday it would be interesting to read all the MI file, files on Britpop. The wool was pulled right over everyone's eyes there. Now, what's re interesting is that MI5 does keep, has been known to keep track, keep files on musicians, celebrities, and entertainers. If you go back to the 1970s, they had a huge dossier on the Sex Pistols and a bunch of other punk bands. I would not be surprised 
if guys like Noel Gallagher and Damon Albarn and Jarvis Cocker had dossiers somewhere uh, in, uh, in M's office. But having a dossier is one thing. Uh, alleging that they've infiltrated POP and suggests that they're somehow either manipulating it, managing it, or controlling it in an effort to control the population. Listen, are you new? Are, are, are you new to conspiracy theories? You're not supposed to... <laughs> really? It, does, it doesn't have to make sense, is what you're telling me. Uh, yes, yes, yes. It doesn't have to make sense. Just like World Trade Center 7. It doesn't have to make sense. It's, it's the enemy above and the enemy within embrace the possibilities of explaining strange, unexplainable things by looking at uh, outside sinister forces. The reaction uh, to this was kind of funny on your Twitter account here this time around. Uh, we had uh, Cooksey uh, tweet in saying, uh, governments can't renew a driver's license, right? No way they could pull this off. <laughs> no, of course they can't. I mean, just the whole thing, like like 9-11 was an inside job. Come on. Have you ever known a government to be A, competent, and B, keep a secret? No. Time now for a Geeks and Beats update. London, Bangkok, New York, Cincinnati. From the worldwide headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, this is a GNB News Update. Want to talk about our Super Tooth Disco Soundbar? We recall last week that uh, we started the contest, and the whole premise was that uh, you have a story that's associated with going to a concert. Everyone's been to at least one concert, and they therefore have at least one story. And when the liquor is flowing and you're in the bar and the song comes on, you go, oh, I got this story. Let me tell it to you. And uh, this sort of came out organically as you and I were talking about my experience with The Cure. Uh, and that led to a whole host of uh, uh, entries, including uh, one which involved some guy who uh, managed to get backstage for Paul McCartney and play the same bass guitar that Paul McCartney played on the stage of the Ed Sullivan Theater. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a few more here, including uh, one from Alex, uh, one from Paul, and one from Stephen as well. Uh, so uh, let's uh, take a listen to what they have to say. Hey there, geeks and beats. My name is Alex Lofthouse, big fan of the podcast. I'm a uh, longtime listener of Alan's, and Alan, it was great to finally uh, meet you at uh, Nerd Night here in Toronto back in uh, May. Oh, yes. So good job with the podcast, guys. Back in 1991, I saw the Stray Cats, remember them, uh, at the Danforth Music Hall here in Toronto, way, way, way back before it was uh, renovated. And uh, they've been having security problems all night because there were a bunch of people who were you know, charging the stage and stage diving and all that. You can see the band was starting to get pretty fed up. Well, security was really, really frustrated with the situation. Eventually, security guard gets fed up with this. Uh, got one unlucky guy gets on stage, goes to do a stage dive, finds himself lifted up by the back of the shirt and the back of his pants and launched. I mean, absolutely launched off the front of the stage. Now, keep in mind, this is before the music hall was renovated. There were hard seats on the floor uh, on the floor of the theater so this guy for about a second seems suspended in midair no part of him is contacting planet earth and everybody on my side of the theater is saying oh no 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 this is not going to end well so the guy disappears somewhere off to the left of me underneath the uh, sea of heads and he doesn't get up a few minutes go by i can't see where this guy has gone the concert's going on in the middle of all this i can't see where this guy has gone guy has vanished. I do not see him at the end of this. I have no idea what happened to that poor guy because he landed on a bunch of hard seats. So when I was at the uh, back of the music hall earlier this year for the first time in years, he stars, I have to admit, I went over to that side of the hall right around stage left 
just to see if, I don't know, maybe that poor guy was still, you know, embedded in the uh, floor of the uh, Danforth Music Hall because he was launched off the stage hard. He was not headed for a good landing. Yeah, you know, I've seen some uh, interesting people. I've seen some some people fly, yes, and it, the, the landing is always difficult. We did a, a, a show years and years ago uh, at a place called The Spectrum on uh, in, in the east end of Toronto. And one of the guys from the radio station, we had the, the Tragically Hip playing this Christmas party, and one of the guys uh, from the radio station lost his mind and uh, got up on the stage with the hip and stage dove. And uh, as he came down, the crowd parted like the Red Sea. And he, felt like uh, the greatest face plant belly flop that you've ever seen on a hard wooden dance floor. This is uh, Paul Allen, who had seen Aerosmith perform. Hey, guys, Paul Allen uh, from Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island. I'm a host of a morning show here in Charlottetown, uh, Q93. It's a rock station, and with different concerts coming in town, of course, you get the chance to MC or to host the concerts. We had one here uh, five or six years ago, and it was a it was a huge summer concert. The headliner was Aerosmith. Cheap Trick gets out there, and they put on quite a show. And I'm watching the show from backstage, and I can see a couple of guys across from backstage just sitting there laughing their their heads off. They're having a great time. I'm thinking, no way. It, it turns out it's Joe Perry and Bradley Whitford from Aerosmith. So someone gives them the signal they got to come because they got to go over to the main building to get uh, Steve and Tyler to come over to the concert because he didn't travel with the rest of them. So they come walking by, and I thought, this is a golden opportunity. So they're about a foot away from me. And I said, hey, guys, how you doing? Can I get your picture? And Joe says, yeah, sure, no problem, man. So he puts his armor on Bradley, and they smile for me, and I pull out the digital camera. A foot away, I swear, just a foot away, snap the picture. And he says, hey, there you go, man. He says, enjoy the concert. Yeah, thanks a lot. Great. And all the niceties are done. They're gone. And I'm thinking, there's over 50,000 people at this concert, and I've got the best picture out of any of them. So I pick up the camera to look at it, and... I suddenly realized it's one of these cameras, these digital cameras, where you snap the picture and there's a bit of a delay. So when I took the picture, I had lowered the camera afterwards, and I didn't get the best picture of the concert. I didn't get a picture of Joe and Brad. What I ended up with was a close-up of Joe Perry's crotch. (laughs) Enjoy the podcast. Thumbs up. That's my favorite so far. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. All those uh, old digital cameras, you know, click one, one thousand, two, one thousand, snap. Yeah, you got to be careful with that. Number three on our list, Stephen Kendall. Uh, he got to see the Rolling Stones. So uh, let's hear what he had to say. My best concert story is from uh, 2004 when I went with my son, who is just 17, to the Rolling Stones at the Sky Dome. But it starts 10 years earlier. In in 1994, when he was seven years old, my son James was in the Bach Children's Chorus of Scarborough, and his final concert, where he was singing in a beautiful soprano choir, was the same night as the Voodoo Lounge Tour of the Rolling Stones. Uh, He was rather sad that I wasn't coming to his concert because I was going off to the Stones, concert, and I uh, received the very stern looks and comments from my wife. I took James, then seven years old, into a room and sat him down and said, James, I know you won't understand this right now. I'm sorry I'm not coming tonight, but I will make it up to you. Someday I will take you to see the Rolling Stones. 
It was 10 years before I managed to get the tickets to that sold concert. And what a thrill it was to sit there with my son, who had gone from singing in the choir to playing piano to playing acoustic guitar to playing a Fender Strat and sitting there beside him watching what had become some of his musical idols. It was a great moment. Loved it. Oh, that's sweet. Isn't that nice? Yes, it is. Took him a decade, and the kid, of course, clearly wouldn't have appreciated it at the time. No, but at 17, he certainly would have. All right. Okay, good story. See, now that's a good bonding father-son thing. Hmm. That's exactly what I was thinking. And as the father of a young daughter, I thought that that really tugged on my heartstrings. Hmm. But I got to tell you, taking a picture of Joe Perry's crotch, what beats that? You know what? I'm going to go with the father-son thing. I have to go with the father-son thing. It's just really? A, yeah, I'm... You know what? I'm with you on that one. Okay. That, that's a long-term story. That one was a decade in the making, so we have to give it to, uh, to, give it to Stephen. I think you're absolutely right. All right, Stephen, uh, we're going to advance you to the final round. You're going to be one of the three that will get to vote. Uh, last week, uh, we had a vote as well on the guy who managed to uh, play the uh, bass guitar owned by Paul McCartney uh, from his early days. And you will advance as well. And so this will give everybody else an opportunity to call 323-319-NERD and tell us your favorite concert story. Can you top it? Maybe you can. I I didn't think... I didn't think that we could top uh, the story of the uh, bass guitar uh, from Paul McCartney, but we got some heartstrings bass tugging going on here from Stephen Kendall, uh, so there may be a, an opportunity for you. So give us a call. The number's on the screen, uh, 323-319-NERD. That's the last week, and after that, we'll put all three of them up on the website, and you get to vote as to uh, who wins uh, this uh, fabulous uh, uh, Super Tooth Disco. You, you thought that it was rather small, and as a matter of fact, when I look at it, it's actually not as small as you, you think it might be. Hmm. I'm going to look at it right here. Like, this is it right here, right? So it's it's probably about, uh, I don't know, I would say about a foot and a half long. Well, we know precisely how long it is. It's 315 millimeters. Okay, so it's just over a foot. But I, I like the fact that it's it's got some pretty powerful speakers for something of that size, the subwoofer, and then you've 8 watts. I, I don't know much about this. What does RMS mean? Root mean squared. Which is the old way of describing exactly how much power you have. So when you say it's, uh, it's, it's, it's 12 watts, it's 12 watts RMS. Okay, so what does room mean squared mean? Root, root mean squared. I don't know. Do I look like an electrical engineer? <laughs> okay, so uh, we've got an update on our lottery strategy, do we? Yes, we do. So last week, Alyssa from Kitchener, who has synesthesia, gave us six numbers that she says look pleasant to her as a synesthesiast, and uh, we played those numbers uh, twice for Lotto 649. Why do we play them twice? There's two draws each, each week. Oh, okay. So I, I played uh, Wednesday, mm -hmm. and we got nothing. Mm -hmm. I played Saturday, yesterday, uh, as we taped this, and I got, uh, we got a free play. Okay. So I have I've reinvested everything into two more... Uh, plays Wednesday and Friday next Saturday, and then we'll stop. Okay. Uh, further to the synesthesia conversation that we had, Alyssa pointed out that uh, she doesn't have a synesthesia for music as often uh, people do, but for her, it's numbers and letters, and she had written into us. And I put it on the website, so this is exactly what it looks like to her with every single letter of the alphabet. That is so cool. That is really, really cool. I can't imagine living in that world. 
but I'd like to try. Well, she pointed out as well, you know, certain numbers are, are ugly to her, like 367, the browns all sort of come together. Uh, but uh, this one is far more appealing, 324 with the uh, blue, yellow, and the red. Mm-hmm. So we, we still have an opportunity here to win big on the big show. Yes, we do. Two more, two more. I have the, uh, the ticket in my pocket. Geeks and Beats update uh, from uh, Ron Robichaud had uh, tweeted into us saying that he found the ACDC beer we were talking about at a beer store in Toronto. Yes, and a Trooper beer from Iron Maiden is now available at the LCBO as of uh, October the 1st. And we also got a tweet uh, from Danielle, uh, who said that uh, she had missed her tube stop this morning because she was listening to Geeks and Beats. This is the ice cream moment. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. The ice cream moment in broadcasting is when you uh, are doing something so interesting that they'll sit in the car in their driveway as they're listening to the radio, knowing that the groceries in the trunk are melting away because they just can't turn off the radio. They'll let the ice cream melt because they need to listen to the show. Well, that's very nice. And I'm assuming that she's in the UK because unless we have tube stops here. No. And she says uh, she's her, her handle is Chatty Canuck, which suggests to me that she has a Canadian perspective on British life. There she is. All right. So she was listening in the UK, Mr. Tube Stop on the Central Line or whatever. Yeah. Oh, look at that. She's drinking wine as well. I wonder if she's drinking what I'm drinking. Too close to France to have a new world plunk. To have Wolf Blast? Yeah, exactly. We, be, by the way, um, have had a lot of people uh, support us uh, through this nomination pro- process at the ninth Annual Podcast Awards. That's very nice. I have seen a number of people uh, retweet things, send me emails, otherwise get into contact saying that uh, we, you know, have, have they're, they're willing to support us, which would be very nice. Okay, here's my concern. Mm-hmm. I don't know that people have been reading the instructions correctly. Oh. Because when you click the nominate button, mm-hmm. it says here, please read before you fill out the form. You get to submit the nomination form one time only, which is fine. I understand that. You have some time to make sure you nominate all of your favorite shows. Once you hit submit, you're done. Note, you can submit two separate shows for people's choice and best produce and also nominate those two shows in a lower category, which makes me fear that people are entering multiple categories here when, quite frankly, there's no chance... We're going to win comedy because neither of us are that funny. No. Uh, food or drink, despite the fact that we're getting liquored up here during the big show. Uh, but uh, best produced seems to be our most likely bet. What do you think? Uh, yeah, not GLBT either. Uh, mature, probably not. Education, I wouldn't count on it. Hot safe music. Religious inspiration, no. Definitely not sports. Definitely not sports. What else is there? That's it, yeah. All we're asking you to do is go to um, the uh, podcastawards.com and fill out, you know, Geeks and Beats, uh, and then the podcast Earl, which is www.geeksandbeats.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and leave it at that, because quite frankly, uh, there's no hope in heck for us to win any of the others. I don't think so. Time now for Ask Ellen Anything. Yes. Hi, my name is Erin. One of my go-to CDs, and yes, it is a CD, was a group called Breathe. And I know they were a group of studio musicians that got together, which led me to thinking about other studio musician groups and how they used to get together for a one-record deal. Well, with the advent of iTunes, I'd like to know, do studio musician groups only release singles and not go for a full adult album's worth of material, or did they do that? Anyway, talk to you soon, and I hope to hear from you. Bye. 
No, they probably probably work as uh, hired guns and studio musicians. There's this whole community of, of, of excellent, excellent musicians that you never hear of because they are working musicians. When, you know, Justin Bieber needs a band, when Madonna needs a band, when um, a Las Vegas Review needs a band, when, um, you know, the Trans-Siberian Orchestra goes out on tour every fall for Christmas, they need a band. So these are the guys that... Uh, get these gigs, and uh, you—they're very anonymous. You never hear anything about them, but they—they uh, they are constantly working. And occasionally, when their schedules allow it, or circumstances come together in such a way, they may get together with some of their other hired gun friends and put together a record. Um, and then once the record's done, they move off and do other things. If you've got a question for Ask Alan anything, be sure to uh, join us uh, by calling 323-319-NERD. I've got an idea, and I don't know how this is going to come together, uh, but uh, there's a new feature on um, the Google uh, on the Google Hangouts called Q&A, where people can actually ask us questions. So maybe we should give that a shot. Well, this time or next time? Oh, you're looking at the clock. I'm looking at the clock. Trios or Horace. It's my favorite Simpsons episode. Okay, okay, okay. Next time. All right, fine. Let me, let me get the... The headlines done up. You entertain people while I take off my headphones. So he's writing up the headlines for uh, for us. So we can, you can probably see that right there. Um, I have to go up and uh, update my wife's phone um, and my her iPad. My my wife is technologically illiterate, and uh, I can say that because she's she's fully aware. Um, I plugged in her iPad today, and uh, 102 apps needed updating. 102. <sighs> And then I have to finish restoring my iPad because iOS 7.0.1 was buggy, so you have to get 7.0.2 to sort it all out. All right. You're with me? I just read it, read it right there. You ready? That's what I'm thinking. Okay. Uh, there we go. A use for that useless slot in your car's dashboard. We'll introduce you to a gadget that will make it legal for you to use your smartphone while on the road. Looking for a new gig? What about running iTunes Radio in Canada? We'll run down the qualifications for the job, assuming Alan doesn't want it. I might. I really might. The no-cord earbuds. Why, this piece of sweet kitten may be yours, uh, so long as you don't have a habit of losing mittens as a child. And our... Wait, 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 wait. I'll do that again. The no-cord earbuds. Why this sweet piece of kit... Oh, Jesus. The no-cord earbuds. Why this piece of sweet kit may be yours so long as you didn't have a habit of losing mittens as a child. And our greatest concert story contest continues. A G&B listener tugs at our heartstrings for a chance to move on to the lightning round. Plus, a Geeks and Beats update on our plan to win the lottery thanks to us. <laughs> You're going to have to do that again. That schmooze in the background. Schmooze, stop barking. Oh, uh, here we go. <laughs> Uh, oh, I think I got the wife out of bed. Shh, okay. Plus, a Geeks and Beats update on our plan to win the lottery, thanks to a synesthesiist. Is that how you say that? Synesthesiist? Synesthesiist. 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 Okay, I'll do it again. Plus, a Geeks and Beats update on our plan to win the lottery, thanks to a synesthesiist and the most annoying music apps ever. All right. Okay, I gotta go watch The Simpsons. Thanks, everybody. Didn't catch us live for the Google Plus Hangout? See how the sausages are made by going to geeksandbeats.com and watch what you just heard. It's like radio, but with pictures. And follow the show on Facebook and Twitter.
The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.